All right, well, uh, first, sorry to those who showed up at 8.30 and didn't get the memo, um, but I'm glad you stuck it out with us. Um, That means we probably don't have your email address, and so if you want to fill out one of those cards in your bulletin and put your email on there, um, we announced it last week, but we know uh, a lot of people come every other week or every few weeks, and, uh, but uh, a little crowded in here. You know how you can solve that? Saturday night. Hey, Saturday, we had, we had a couple of great services last night. We tried something new, for those who don't know, and when everyone came in, we were actually at tables, and, uh, and there was actually interaction, and people actually prayed for each other and got to know each other. Parents were there with their kids, teaching their kids through the lesson, and it was just more of a family-type, interactive-type service, and it was just so fun. I mean, you see certain tables where there's college students with families, with little kids, with grandmas, you know, and it was just, it just felt so much like church, the type of fellowship and the way we broke bread and had communion together. And we just had a couple of really, really cool services last Saturday night. So I encourage you guys, show up Saturday night, that's at 4.30 or 6.15, and we go through the same message that we go through here. Um. <laughs> the good news, we made it to the front page. You guys, that uh, that was pretty crazy. Uh, for those who don't know, the Ventura County Star wrote a pretty negative article about our church and uh, and this project that we're um, we're trying to do out there in Tierra Hada. And they painted a picture of the church that was um, let's just say inaccurate and. Um, and they really put a negative spin on certain things. And at the end of it, uh, it was, it was very, honestly, it was very offensive to me because it, I, I felt like it was an attack on character. And we worked so, so hard to go overboard and doing everything right. I mean, everything. Uh, and, and, uh, and I don't know if there was an agenda other than just trying to sell a lot of newspapers, you know, because this sells more than church feeds millions. Everyone's like, oh, big deal. But when suddenly church is attempting to bypass law, um, which the words they used of us bypassing laws or skirting laws, as they said, or trying to invoke federal laws, um, it was just extremely frustrating because... Uh, I really feel like we've gone the extra mile to represent Christ well. And even when they say we're trying to invoke a federal law, you've got to understand what our words were. Our words were, you know what, we have this federal law that we, even, we say we don't even know if it applies. We just have explained it. To, we give it to the county supervisors, and the truth is, as we told them, if they decide it doesn't apply great. You know, we're not going to sue. We don't have attorneys. We're just asking a question. We're just posing some questions here and uh, we're not looking for a fight and told them, in fact, we've gone to every city council member. We've gone to the Ventura County supervisors, every supervisor's office to ask them about the project and and ask them, how can we make this more of a blessing to the city or the county? We want to know because the last thing we want to do is be a nuisance we want to be a blessing. So here's our idea. We're trying to bless the community by giving them these soccer fields, you know, protecting this land, making it green. You tell us if there's anything you want us to change. And so you got to understand, we had this 
interview with this reporter that I thought was great. I was so looking forward to getting the newspaper. I thought, oh, this is going to be so stinking cool. I mean, we had the representatives from Children's Hunger Fund there telling about how we're going to care for the poor. And she's going, oh, this is great. This is a beautiful project. And we're going, yeah, isn't it? You know, I mean, and, and telling them, man, I'm so excited because I believe so often the church gets put in a negative light. And now suddenly we're going to show the world that we're actually doing something good. We're actually caring. We're going to be feeding millions of people. We're going to be, you know, helping the city. We're giving to the community and on and on and on. So I'm excited expecting this great article and then i get the paper and uh oh man it just uh it just kind of took the wind out of my sails for a second honestly um because uh for 13 years i i feel like we've tried so hard to go overboard when it comes to integrity um with every building project we've had with all of our finances and leaving things out there um, just in my personal life and as a church i feel like we've tried so hard because too often churches do have a negative reputation so it's like we have to go overboard the other way just to balance things out and then suddenly one article gets written that puts this negative spin on the church and you feel like wow for some people that's all they're going to be exposed to about cornerstone and uh and honestly it, it um it was just really tough. Um, and then you start reading the blogs. Uh, and on one, I was compared to David Koresh. Like this is a little compound we're building out there so I can take on some more wives and stuff. And, and it's just, it's just, you're going, this isn't happening. This is not happening. Um, and I will confess, I will confess this. My initial thoughts after reading the article were not godly. Um, I, uh, I, I, I was, I was angry. Um, I was, you know, in my home just going, man, I can't believe she did that. I can't believe this is the article she wrote. And, uh, thank God for a godly wife who, uh, walked in and, uh, as I was making this voodoo doll and, um, (laughs) kidding just kidding there's probably a reporter in here who's gonna say that but um it's a joke okay and uh but thank god for a godly wife who you know as i'm going man i can't believe she did that i can't believe she would do that and all these thoughts are running through my head and lisa comes in and says well why don't you do something nice for her in return (laughs) oh yeah that's what i was thinking too But it was so good, you know, so good just to hear my wife go, you know what, you know, biblically, aren't you supposed to just do something kind in return? You know, you're absolutely right and went and got a card and and just begrudgingly, you know, (laughs) wrote kind words on the card and uh, went and bought her a little gift certificate to Macaroni Grill and just said, look, I... I feel like we are trying everything we can to serve God, to serve people, to love God, to love people. I hope that one day you'll see that all we're trying to do is something positive for the community and for the world and see that uh, that's all we're trying to do. Anyways, thanks for your time. Uh, Have a meal on me. God bless Francis <laughs> and just kind of let it go. And, and it's just one of those things where you, you go, okay, okay. You know, the Bible says give thanks in every situation. And you just go, you know what? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to do good. 
Um, and these things are going to happen in life. And, and all these scriptures start coming to mind. Um, some of the stuff I've preached in the last couple of months. Remember I told, talked about, you know, being blessed when you're suffering, you know, and, and asking for some suffering and actually being thankful for persecution. And we talked about a Matthew 5. Remember that blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Remember that? And we talked about those martyrs, you know, in, in Turkey and, and every, everything that's going on. And then you realize, okay, you know what? This isn't, this isn't that bad. And also, anytime you're accused falsely of something, you ought to rejoice because there's a reward in that. Um, I remember 1 Timothy 6, uh, verse 15. Remember I talked about that a couple of months ago where it says, God, the blessed and only ruler the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. You know, the Bible says that right now there's this being who, who is in charge of everything. That, and that's the thing we have to remember at difficult times. It's like, you know what? God's always in charge. There's one ruler. He sits on this throne that, and he dwells in this unapproachable light that no one can even approach. I mean, there's light that's so amazing and he's in control. And, and we always have to remember, you know what? It's not like God didn't see what was coming. Nothing takes him by surprise. It wasn't like God was saying, oh, gosh, I let that slip through the cracks. You know, I was going to change the article, but I didn't have time. I was busy. You know, I was trying to keep Paris in jail. You know, whatever. I, I, I you know, I had other things going on. You know, no, it's, it, you know, what the Bible teaches is there's one being who is always in charge, right? And, uh, and nothing has changed. And people go, well, does this, you know, kind of put a stain on our project? No, it really doesn't. All along, there's been one person who decides whether this project goes forward or not. And he's still in charge. Nothing has changed there. And, uh, and, and the other thing that, um, that I, I, I remember was 1 Peter 3.17 says this. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. You see, the Bible explains that we're going to suffer... And, and sometimes we have in our minds that, no, if I do the right thing, then I shouldn't suffer. Or I shouldn't suffer persecution. Because we've all felt when we've suffered for doing wrong. And we go, okay, I kind of deserve that. But then there's other times when we go, no, I, I feel like we did everything right. Why this? Right? We, haven't we all had situations like that in our life? And sometimes people even denied the existence of God because they go, no, I was doing everything good. And then this happened. How could that be? How could God do this? And yet what the scripture says is sometimes, literally, it says it is God's will that you suffer for doing good. That's what the word of God says. And he says, and isn't it better? It's better when that happens because haven't there been times when, let's say, there's a conflict? You're in an absolute fight, whatever you want to call it, with someone else. There's absolute conflict. And you feel sick to your stomach. And you feel sick because you know that you had a part in it. And you know some of the things that came out of your mouth. And some of the things you did. And so it's hard. It keeps you up at night because you're going, man, I'm, I'm in this conflict with this person. But you feel sick to your stomach because you know that you added to it. No, it wasn't all your fault. But you know that you had a part in it. 
And so there's a lack of peace. But then there's other times when there's conflict and it's never nice, it's never good, but you yourself, you can sleep at night, you can rest, you can have peace because you go, you know what, but I did everything I could. And the Bible says, as much as it depends on you, live in harmony with other people. And so there's times when you can do your part and there still is disharmony. And the Bible says, so long as you've done your part, as long as you've done everything on your part to live in harmony with others, that's what we've been called to do. And those are the times when, yes, it's still difficult because conflict is never easy and broken relationships are never nice. But we can still have a peace going, you know what? I, I, I can live with myself. Um, the Holy Spirit is giving me a peace rather than, uh, you know, beating me over the head because of this guilt and how I contributed to it. And... Um, Last week, Terry uh, was preaching out of Colossians chapter 4, and that passage says, let your conversation always be full of grace. Just let your conversation always be full of grace. And, And it's talking about how you deal with people who don't believe in God. It's talking about when you're speaking with outsiders, they call them. It says, make sure that your your conversation's always full of grace. That you make the most of every opportunity. Full of grace. What is grace? Grace is when you give someone something they don't deserve. It's a blessing they don't deserve. Man, let your conversation always be a blessing. Always be giving, 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 giving. And I just thought, wow, what a great opportunity then for us as a church to show grace. To continue to love in spite of the things that happen or the things that are said. Um, You know, putting this situation aside for a second, I I just want you to think in your own life. Is there someone in your life that has mistreated you? Maybe even is currently mistreating you. That God has called you to bless. I want to read a passage of scripture to you. We've preached this several times. Luke chapter 6 verse 32. In Luke chapter 6 verse 32 it says this. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Understand what Jesus is saying there? This is Jesus going, he goes, big deal, you guys love those who love you back. He goes, any sinner can do that. In verse 33, he says, and if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. So you may come here saying, you know what? I do good deeds. The Bible says, big deal. You do nice things for people. They're probably people who do nice things to you, right? And you guys are nice back and forth. He goes, everyone does that. Even sinners do that. Then in verse 34, he goes, and if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expect to be repaid in full. Then he says in verse 35, but love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. 
be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Jesus tells us, those of us who call ourselves believers, those of us who call ourselves sons and daughters of the Most High, His children, He goes, what I've asked you to do is not just conform and do what everyone else does. Sure, they can love each other, but what they don't do is love their enemies. What they don't do is bless those who curse them. And he goes, that's what I'm asking you to do. And when you can pull that off, then you're truly a son of God. Then you're truly a child of God. Then you're suddenly living and reflecting the Father. You see, if you've never loved your enemy, then you've never really shown Christian love. Because Christian love is not loving those who are easy to love. Christian love is not loving your friends and the people who love you back. Christian love, the only time we have an opportunity to show Christ's love is when we're being crucified. We're being nailed to a cross and then suddenly from that position, then we decide to say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Suddenly from that position, we're trying to show love and actually bless in return. Then suddenly we're giving a picture of Jesus Christ, who even though we've offended him, even though we've offended God in so many ways, he looks at us and says, I still love you though. I know what you've done. We both know how much I hate it, but I still love you. And I'm going to have my son pay for all of those crimes. I'm going to demonstrate my love to you in this. I'm going to have him die even while you guys are sinning against me. I'm going to have him keep blessing you even when you are cursing me. And the Bible says when you can do that, then suddenly that's a sign that the Holy Spirit's in you. And you're actually reflecting and showing Jesus Christ to the world. And so there need to be times in our lives when we need to thank God for persecution. And we need to thank God for being mistreated. Because it gives us an opportunity to finally show the love of Christ. But I'm going to ask you that question one more time. Is there someone in your life that has mistreated you? That you need to bless. And I know when I ask that question. Man there are some deep rooted hurts in this room. There are things that have been done to you. That you just go. The Bible is commanding me. Not just to say oh I forgive it. You know and I'm not going to do anything back. That's not what the Bible has commanded you to do. The Bible's commanded you to bless that person, to pray for that person, to love that person. And my question is, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to obey that command of Scripture this week, today? You say, you know what, if that's what God calls me to do, it's going to take everything in me, but I'm going to do it. Because it's the word of God. Otherwise, you guys, why are we in this room? I mean, aren't you here because you love the word of God? And you believe that, you know what, if I obey this thing, that's what's going to bring me peace. I tell you, it's amazing when you finally do just say, you know what, I'm not going to hate anyone. I'm not going to stay angry at anyone. In fact, I am going to actually bless and do something and do something positive for these people to hurt me. 
then suddenly it's like, oh, there's peace that overcomes you. Where you go, yeah, is there still conflict? Do they still hate me? Will they still say negative things? Maybe. But I can go to bed tonight and go, okay, you know what? I reflected Jesus Christ. Because even with God's blessings upon everyone, does that mean everyone suddenly loves God now? No. But you know what? God did what was right. and He loved in spite of the hatred. And he calls us to reflect him, to be merciful as our heavenly father is merciful. Well, let's not dwell on that. You guys want some good news? <laughs> okay, some good news. I want to show you some slides that were taken in Scotland. Okay, um, this is a, some, some guy in Scotland sent us these because some, uh, so if you guys just look to the screens, uh, some believers got a hold of our stop and think video in Scotland and uh, they, they put up, uh, they made a website in Scotland uh, with our video on it, and they called and asked if it'd be all right if they put billboards all over town um, promoting Stop and Think because they wanted everyone in Scotland to hear the gospel uh, through that presentation. So I thought, no way, isn't that cool? So yeah, it's just... It's just so fun right now to think people are driving around Scotland seeing these billboards, you know, just like you drive around here seeing the bumper stickers, which I, I guess we bought cheap ones because they're all fading now, you know, so that you, you can get new ones. But it's just so weird that, you know, in these different places in the world, people are getting a hold of it and just saying, how in the world can we spread the gospel in our own community, in our own country, and can we use this as a tool? And so now we're talking about plans of doing it in Spanish to, to reach Latin America and things like that. But it's just, just an exciting time, a lot of good things going on. Um, I'm, I'm going to continue in that passage that I taught on a, a couple of weeks ago uh, in, in Colossians chapter 3. They didn't quite get to finish, and honestly, we won't finish it again this week, but we'll, we'll get make a little progress. Um, but before we do that, I want to go back to that theme verse that we've been focusing on for the last month. That really talks about uh, what this passage is, is about. And that's Romans 12 verse 2. A verse that's becoming more and more familiar to us as we talk about it almost every week now. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, it's just a simple thought. Do not conform any longer. Explaining that there is a pattern. Okay, there's a pattern, there's a flow, there's, there's a way in which most people live in this world. And the Bible says you're just going to fall into it. That's just human nature. We just kind of go with the flow. But what the Bible says is stop that. Stop just doing things because you see everyone else doing it. Think through your actions. In fact, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have your mind completely changed. From this, well, I, you know, you remember junior high, high school, grade school, how you just try to do whatever is popular. You just try to fit in. It's just this natural propensity in us to, to just do what everyone else is doing because we want to fit into the crowd. And then the Bible says at a certain age, you just, you just start thinking for yourself. Not even a certain age, a certain point in your life, you realize, you know what? God hasn't called me just to do what everyone else is doing. In fact, he tells me to stop conforming to the pattern. Remember the pattern growing up? The pattern of how you were supposed to dress? Remember junior high, high school? 
And I don't know what era you grew up in. For me, it was the 501 shrink-to-fit jeans with the IZOD shirt, with the Sperry topsiders, with the sunglasses that Tom Cruise wore on Risky Business, the Ray-Bans. Remember that? And everyone started pegging their jeans and rolling them up. And, you know, and there's just a pattern. There's just everyone wore the same thing. You know, I know things have changed. And then, you know, then we went through the whole baggy stage. Now we're back into tight and revealing and you know it's just whatever and 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 there's this pattern in in everything that we do that the world sets up and the bible says are you really thinking through how you're called to live though have you really renewed your mind and said you know what but i am a follower of god and so i don't just follow a pattern i follow the pattern that god has set out for me and so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, authority and we talked about in relationships. We talked about husbands and wives. Remember when I had my wife up here with me and we talked about, you know what, here's the way the world says marriage is, but here's what God calls a husband and wife to. This is how we are supposed to live. We're supposed to be different in our thinking. It doesn't matter if the rest of the world says there's no leadership, there's no authority, there's no this, there's no, and whoever's in charge, you know, just demands authority or whatever. You know what? As Christians, it's different. As leaders, you serve. As leaders, you, you wash the feet of those that, that you are over. Um, in the Bible, submission is a beautiful thing, and we have to display that to the world. Well, after he addresses the husbands and wives, he talks to the parents and the kids, and I want to talk about that this morning. See, in the next verse, in verse 20 of, of, of Colossians 3, he says, Children... Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. I want to talk about the relationship between you and your parents, you and your kids. And this is so huge. This is so huge because when you read the scriptures... You see that God had a plan for families. God had an intention for families. It was God's intention that he would use the family to pass on this knowledge of him. To pass on godliness to the next generation. To pass on this relationship with God to the next generation. And so Satan knows if he can destroy the family structure the family bond, then he can destroy the primary vehicle which God designed to pass on this love for him. We have in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you have the giving of the law. And you have this great command that says, you know what, you should love the Lord with all your heart and your soul, with all of your strength. But then in in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 6, it says this, it says, these commands, these commands that I'm giving you today are to be on your hearts. And he says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He's talking to the parents and he goes, see these laws that I'm giving you, see this understanding of me that I've passed on to you. He goes, you need to talk to your kids about that. 
He goes, if you're walking with your kids, talk to them about me. Talk to them about my law. When you're sitting down at the dinner table, talk to them about me. Talk to them about my commands. He goes, when they're lying down, getting ready to sleep, talk to them about me. Tell them about me. See, this is God's desire, is that parents pass on this knowledge of God to their children. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The command to us as dads, the command to us as parents, is that we are the ones who are responsible for bringing our kids up in the way of the Lord. We are the ones that are responsible for training up the next generation. And you guys, that's why this summer, you know, we're focusing on, you know what, let's have the kids in service with us. Um, That's why Saturday night was so beautiful last night, seeing parents instruct their kids, for me to even sit at a table in church with my own family and and, and be there instructing my kids. There's just something that, that is so right about that and so often i mean let's let's admit it many of you came back to church because you wanted something for your kids some of you that's what got you here you weren't even that interested in god but you thought to yourself man i got married i had a kid scares you to death and then you remembered oh i remember in sunday school i learned some good things in church maybe i should go back to church so that my kid has a way To know about God. And that's great. I'm glad you came. Yet at the same time understand. That God's intention. Was not that a Sunday school teacher. Raise your kid. And teach them the things of God. Not that a youth group. Would raise your kid. And teach them the things of God. Those are all helpful tools. And that's why we do them here. But the responsibility was always on the parent. And it was always a picture of the parents. Really passing this on to the children. And so, but we do have a children's ministry. We do have a youth ministry because we understand a lot of youth don't have Christian parents and they don't have a, a godly example in the home. And so we try to provide that for those students. But a lot of times, really, children's ministry and youth ministry exists because godly homes do not. And, uh, and, and the truth is, is we're trying to reach all these kids in the public schools that maybe don't have parents that, uh, that really are raising their kids up in the Lord. But sometimes in the church, Suddenly we will skirt our responsibility um, and then we'll start blaming the youth group for messing up our kids. And we'll start blaming their Sunday school teacher for messing up their kid. When the Bible says, no, you know what, parents, it was your responsibility. And you still have the number one impact on your kids. Um, Let me just talk a little bit about this. I I, I remember... um, 11 years ago, being at the hospital and my first kid being born. Those who have had children, can you remember that moment? It was awesome, wasn't it? I mean, ladies, it didn't hurt that bad. And, and uh, you guys just fake it to get sympathy. But um, I'm kidding. No, after all of the pain and after all the misery and screaming and cursing, whatever you did, um, the child comes out. And there's just nothing like that, right? You're just going, no way. I mean, just the miracle of childbirth. When, if you were uncertain of whether or not there was a God, you have a child and you go, no way. 
How can anyone not believe in God? How can anyone see that and not believe in God? Go through that whole process and go, there's, there's no, I mean, it's just, it's supernatural. It's just amazing. It's just this little miracle comes out and you're just so filled with joy. The doctor's, you know, wiping all the blood and stuff off of it and, and cleaning it up and you finally get to hold this baby. It's just this, it's just this magical moment, right? It's going, no way and you're so full of life i just remember being in the hospital and looking at my little girl and going no way that's mine that's mine that's my baby you're so excited and then you have to take it home (laughs) and remember that moment when you're leaving the hospital you're going what you're looking at all the nurses and doctors going none of you are coming with me None of these machines, I'm taking this thing home. I'm taking this. What if I break it? What if I drop it? Well, I mean, you're just going, I don't know how to feed a kid. I, no one ever taught me. I, I, I've never, you know, all these thoughts are going through your head. It is just terrifying because you're bringing home this little fragile thing that you know nothing about. Nothing about. And you're going, how do I do this? I just remember being so, so scared. And you try to check up every minute, you know, you're still breathing, this, that, whatever else. And then pretty soon you just realize, you know what, there is so much that's out of my control. I could stare at her every single second and try to care for his or her every need. And still things will happen that are out of my control. And you start realizing this and all of these fears just come into your mind. And then... uh, It's it's been 11 years later and three more kids and uh, daughter's going into junior high this year and I can honestly say I'm more scared now than I was that first day, you know, and you realize the same thing. I have no control and I can't just like I couldn't control her health, her breathing or anything else. I, I can't. How in the world am I supposed to keep her on the right path? Man, I remember junior high. I remember junior high dances and everything else. I remember junior high camp. I remember all of this stuff. And you're going, this is terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. And, uh, and there's days, there are days when you just feel absolutely overwhelmed. Maybe you don't, but I do. There are days when I just go, I can't do this. I'm not going to pull this off. I don't have the wisdom, first of all, to know how to say the right things at the right time. I don't have, I'm not a patient person. I don't have the patience to do this. I don't have the wisdom. And there are so many days when I just feel like I just don't have the flat out energy to do this. I'm wiped out by enough stuff throughout the day. And then to come home, and then and really go to work and really give my best now there are days when you just go i I can't do this i am not going to be able to pull this off and let's be honest we've all felt that and uh and as we get into it we become less and less judgmental of our own parents and i go wow i can see why he beat the heck out of me (laughs) You know, you you start thinking, you start realizing and you you start seeing some of the same faults come out in yourself. And uh, 
And at the end of the day, you just say, okay, Lord, this is over my head. And it forces you to your knees, doesn't it? Because, you, you, you know, there's times when you think you're on top of it and you think, hey, I'm a pretty good dad. I'm a pretty good mom. I'm actually a pretty good parent. And then everything can change in about five minutes. And you're back on your knees again going, God, this is over my head. My kid I, doesn't seem to be interested in you. I can't tell if it's genuine. I thought she was going down this path and then I found out some other stuff. And I'm not saying this about my daughters. Don't go looking for her and whatever. I'm just saying in general with all the kids, you think they're going a certain direction, everything else, and suddenly you find out about secrets or you realize certain things you didn't address and you start beating yourself up and just going, man, what's going on? In fact, you guys, instead of me rambling right now, let me, let me just pray. Can I... I just want to pray for our families for a second here before I continue on in our message. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Father, here we are in Simi Valley, known for the city of families, of safety, the perfect family environment. Some of us moved here stay here for that reason. And yet even with all the safety and everything else, we're still freaked out because we realize this is over our heads. We didn't know what to do when we brought him home from the hospital and we don't know what to do today. And that's why we pray, God, and we ask that you continue to give us wisdom through your word. I pray for every parent in this room that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit to give them wisdom that goes way beyond their knowledge or anything they've ever read. I pray for the kids in this room, God, that there would be grace and forgiveness and understanding and respect, God, that goes way beyond their years. God, I just ask you to do things that we cannot do that that no sermon is going to fix. God, I believe in this time of prayer, and I pray for the families of this church, God, that we really would be lights to the community, that we really would reflect you. I pray that the kids would really reflect in obedience to their parents that that parallels their obedience to you. I pray that the parents, the fathers, would truly be a father to their kids the way that you are to us. I pray for the moms and the patience, just the effort, and the heartbreak that they go through, that they would stay focused and keep loving and love another day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Kids, the Bible says to you, how many, how many still live with their parents and you're in this room? Kids, okay, all right, good, good, good. Got a lot of you in here. Um, the Bible says to you, one of your favorite verses, Obey your parents in everything, right? Don't you just love that verse? You get to obey your parents in everything. And it says, for this pleases the Lord. Kids, are you looking at me? Kids aren't paying attention. Kids, look. Kids, look what I can do. Woo! Look at that. Look at Uncle Francis. Okay. Now, kids, I want to talk to you for a second. Okay? Um... The Bible says, the Bible says, children, obey your parents in everything. And then it explains the reason. It says, for, because this pleases the Lord. 
Okay, why are you supposed to obey your parents and everything? Because this is what pleases God. Now, I know a lot of you are here because your parents made you come. And you do what your parents tell you to do. And so here you are in church. But at some point, you have to make a decision. Every child in this room, at some point, you have to make a decision for yourself. You have to decide, do you want, is it your desire to please God? You have to choose that for yourself. It doesn't matter that you're forced to go to church. You still have to make a decision. Do you? Do you really believe in God? And do you really want to please Him? Everyone has to make that decision. Your parents don't make that for you. You decide, you know what? I want to be a person who pleases the Lord. And if that's your desire as a kid, you go, you know what? I doesn't matter what age I am. I personally want to please God. Now I want you to think to yourself, have you made that choice yet in your life? Have you personally decided that it's your desire to please the Lord? I don't care if you're five. I don't care if you're 50. There's full grown adults that are still doing this for their parents. And we have to decide, do I want to please the Lord? Everyone in this room has to decide that. It's not just the kids. But for the kids, if that is your desire, and you do say, no, I want to please the Lord, then the Bible says to you, well, what God wants, what would please Him, according to that verse, is, well, then obey your parents in everything. Obey them. Obey them when you don't think they're right. Why? Because God would be pleased with that. And and the hardest thing is there's a pattern in the world like we talked about earlier. And the pattern is kids, talk back to your parents. Children, disrespect your parents. Man, the moment you enter school, you'll see a lot of your friends talking back to their parents. That's the pattern that's set for you. To rebel against your parents. Don't be close to your parents. That's the pattern of the world. And what the Bible says is don't conform to that. What I've called you to do, it doesn't matter what everyone else does. I, I remember, you know, when, when I was in high school and I gave my, Lord, my life to Jesus. I remember my first prayer to God after asking him into my life was, God, I pray that I get to keep all my friends. Don't let me lose my popularity. I've worked so hard to to try to fit in and gain all of these friends and everything else. Don't let me lose that. And yet the more I read the scriptures, the more I read the Bible, I realized you can't have both. Because the Bible says the popular road is headed for destruction. The Bible says there's two roads. One that is popular and broad. And he says there's tons of people and they're headed for destruction. He goes, but then there's another path. It's a narrow road and few people will find it. And that one leads to life. That's the life that God's called us to. Where few people go down this road. He goes, few people will find this life. And I realize, wow, if, if I want to follow God, then I will not fit in. I can't. I can't fit in and follow God. And so I have to make a choice. The choice is, do I want to be popular or 
do I want to follow God? Because when you look at history, it has never been popular to follow God. And so you have a choice to make. Are you going to follow him? Are you going to make the right decisions because it pleases the Lord? Are you going to go out with the right people when you're older? Because you found someone who truly loves the Lord. And truly pleases the Lord and you're pursuing those types of relationships. See, those things your parents have no control over. That's when you show whether or not you truly believe in God. It's a choice and honestly the choice never ends because a lot of us as parents, we still are trying to fit in. And we still feel the pressure that we should parent a certain way. And when other parents allow their kids to do certain things, we don't want to be looked at, you know, as the one that's killing their pleasure. As, as that weird parent who says, no, you can't watch, you know, NC-17 movies. You can't watch rated R movies. You can't go do this. You can't do that. No, you can't go there. You can't wear that. And we feel a pressure too. And it's interesting how the Bible, when it addresses the parents... It says, verse 21, fathers, because the fathers were to be the head of the homes. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. It's interesting that it uses this word embitter. It means to provoke to anger. Okay, but what does that mean? Does that mean I can never let my kids get angry? I mean, that's impossible. Because the moment I say, no, you can't spend the night at her house... She's mad. The moment I say, you got to go to bed, they're mad. You know, the moment I say, no, put some clothes on, they're mad. You know, and so what do I do? Just say, okay, whatever you want, honey, because I don't want to make you mad. Bible says, no, that's not. And don't let your kids manipulate you with this passage and say, you're making me mad, dad, so change your decision. That's not what this is referring to because the truth is, is God is a perfect father, right? Do people still get mad at him? Did he do anything wrong? No. No, it's it's our sinful nature is always going to get angry at authority. It's just the natural reaction of a sinful person is that we don't like authority. And we'll get angry, not because someone has done something wrong, but because someone is making a decision that we don't like. And so that's not what this is referring to. What this is referring to, it says you embitter them to the point where they become discouraged. And this word for discouraged, it's literally translated spiritless. It's like you, you, you get in this relationship where you get them so angry that you just break their spirit. And there's just this look on their face of, I'm done with you. It's this embitterment that, that, that goes, it's from years of just no encouragement, no love, and probably a ton of hypocrisy that says, do as I say and not as I do. Man, nothing will embitter a child more than hypocrisy. To the point where they get discouraged, and I, I, I was really struggling with this because I was thinking, how am I going to explain this? Because I feel like I understand it. When I read this verse and I look at what it means, I go, okay, I think I know what it means. But I don't think I can explain it to everyone. I, I don't think I can get it across because I know 
there's this line. And it seems almost different with each of my kids. But there's this line where I know as a parent, my job is to discipline and instruct in the Lord. And I am supposed to stretch them. I'm supposed to confront them. I'm supposed to exhort them. I'm supposed to encourage them. I'm supposed to tell them what's right and what's wrong. And yet at the same time, I also know there's like this line where when all of that, I can't push too much. And, and there's this line where I have to make sure I maintain this relationship also so there isn't just this estrangement and this discouragement and this spiritlessness. And how to describe how to keep that balance. Man, I just know that I have no clue how to do that. How to explain that to another person. I just know that there, I know when I cross the line. And sometimes I, I just have to pray for wisdom in that. But how to describe that and, and explain that you are supposed to discipline them. You are supposed to instruct them. Yet at the same time, you are going to make them angry at times. And that's okay. But there's a point when it's not okay. But what I trust is that the Holy Spirit reveals that to you. What I trust is when you pray, that God reveals to you when you blew it. Don't you usually know? Don't you usually know when you've crossed that line? I know we need to pray for that. I know that David prays for that when he says, search me, O God. And he goes, you know what? Show me. Show me if there's any offensive way in me. And then lead me in the everlasting way. That we as parents need to pray to God and say, God, you know what? Help me. Until I was a dad, I had no idea how impatient I was. You know, you almost have like this high view of yourself until you have kids. And that's why those of you who don't have kids, you think you're all great. But (laughs) then you have kids and you start realizing, you go, man, I didn't know. I really didn't believe I could get that angry. You ever thought that to yourself? Like you used to judge other people and you thought, well, I can't. I didn't think I'd ever feel those feelings. I'd never, I didn't know I could be that impatient or that demanding. And those are the times when you fall to your knees and say, God, you know what? I don't know everything. I'm not here to lecture you on parenting. I'm just telling you, you know what? There's times when you know you failed. And those are the times when you just have to come before God and say, God, help me. I don't want to do that again. I shared before, I remember one time just, just holding my little girl, two years old, just screaming. And just telling her to shut up. The top of my lungs. And then just bawling my eyes out afterward. Going, what am I doing? And going out in the living room and just bawling. And coming before God saying, God, I didn't think I could do that. I didn't know I was still so evil. I didn't know I was still so impatient, so angry. Going back and looking at my little girl and say, baby, daddy is so sorry. Going to my wife and saying, pray for me. I don't ever want to do this again. It's been nine years since that incident. And I can say I never did that again with her. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, and there has been change. You know, but... I don't know. I, I'm just I'm sitting here going, man, what is, is this doing any good? Other than just saying, you know what? 
We're all sinful, right? And this is a crazy thing that God has called us to. And it's going to take every ounce of the Holy Spirit for us to raise our kids the way God's called us to. And I don't have all the answers. And I don't ever want to pretend to when it comes to parenting. But I do know when I fail. And I do know that I need to ask forgiveness from God and from my children. And that's where it starts. And as we do that, I believe God continues to reveal areas of life that we can work on. And kids, same with you. Man, there's times you just burst out at your parents and you go, wow, I can't believe I said that. All my life I grew up, I was this good little Sunday school kid. And I just assumed that I would always just love and respect my parents. And now suddenly all these feelings come up. And all this pressure comes up. And all this anger and resentment. And to actually love them in return for some of the things that have been done in the past by my imperfect parents. It's just all coming to a head. And this is the time when you decide, is my relationship with God really my relationship with God? And is it really the desire of my life to please Him? We're going to have a time of worship right now. And maybe some of you just, you don't need to sing. You just need to spend some time praying to God. Maybe it's uh, time for you just to pray to God and confess to Him some shortcomings as a child or as a parent. And maybe there needs to be some mending. Maybe there needs to be some love, some grace shown. Maybe some of you are just so beside yourself right now and you just need some prayer. There are going to be some people up here by the prayer room to pray with you and just come forward during the worship. Maybe some of you are, are understanding about this relationship with Jesus and this relationship with God for the first time and you'd like to give your life to Jesus or get baptized this morning. We can do that right after the worship. Um, so the rest of us, let's worship God. And if you need some prayer, we'll be by the prayer room.